You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture. You're listening to Pulse Radio. going on everybody this is randall barnes the host of post radio in the building for another special edition of nba update on today uh this is going to be our last show uh before the thanksgiving holiday uh definitely thursday's thanksgiving i will not be doing the nba update and i succeed to the fact that it is football day and i wish that football fans in the nfl would realize that christmas is our time all right, Christmas is basketball season, and it's also my birthday, so shout out to me. Um, but man, a lot of thoughts, man. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say this, even on the NBA update, uh, before you know we start things. Um, on yesterday, we found out that rapper and entrepreneur Young Dolph uh, was tragically killed in his hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, he was um, at a local black-owned business uh, that sells um, cookies and different you know, bakery items. Uh, and, you know, he was shot. Um, you know, it, it was very sad. Um, this everything, you know, sort of stopped on social media, man. And, you know, this whole generation, you know, of folks in, at HBCUs that, you know, are the social media generation, fans of music. We all just collectively mourn the young, young Dolph. And, you know, honestly, for me, you know, I've been seeing a lot of my people pass away, like the celebrities that, you know, were big when I was coming up, whether it was Kobe as a child and, you know, as a teenager, seeing him play, um, you know, DMX and, you know, how he had, you know, the Rough Riders anthem and he was the the biggest hip hop artist uh, back in the early 2000s when I was younger. And then, you know, seeing Pop Smoke, you know, someone that was on the rise, you know, and then Nipsey, who was a proponent of ownership. And I really, you know, respected his grind and his hustle. And I wasn't the biggest fan of Nipsey, but he had some bangers and some songs that I really rocked with. And I really appreciated what he would say about business. You know, so I'm not even gonna lie, man, you know, in moments like that, you just think about life. Um, This past night, man, you know, last night, I was thinking about life. I was thinking about, you know, just thinking about, you know, what I can do to make an impact on the world. And I always find myself in that reflection when I see a passing like this happen and, you know, we experience this, I always just think like, man, like I should value where I'm at more. I should value the journey more. Like what can I do to make my impact? Like what can I do to really live my life and, and make things happen like a young Dolph, like a Kobe, like a DMX, you know, like a pop smoke, you know? Um, so I did watch the basketball games. Uh, basketball at times is a refuge for me. You know, it's a way for me to get away from, uh, the world and get away from the business and the pressure. Um, but one thing I can say is that watching the Lakers brings my blood pressure up. Um, I was watching three games at once. Uh, I watched the Lakers and the Bucks. I was watching the Hawks and the Celtics. And I was checking out to see what Brooklyn would do in response to the drubbing that they had the night before against the Warriors and also 
Kevin Durant hearing MVP chants for Steph Curry in the Barclays Center. I want to see what they would do, and I want to go through each of those games and just give my quick thoughts on them. We're going to start, of course, with the Lakers. Uh, Man, listen, LeBron is going to be coming back on tomorrow against the Celtics, and we need him. The Lakers, if you're rooting for the Lakers to win, if you want LeBron to win his fifth championship, you want LeBron to come back rested and healthy, and LeBron needs to be ready to put up Cleveland-type numbers. The Russell Westbrook experiment right now is failing, and I don't really know if it'll be better. My thing with Russell Westbrook is that I believe that, yeah, you can say that it's the turnovers, he's shooting these shots, and although he made a couple of three-pointers um, on last night, you know, his shot selection is not great. I just feel as if he's not making good plays and he's not making great decisions, especially as the primary ball handler on the floor. And oftentimes what you've seen these past few games, especially since Taylor Horton Tucker has come back, you've seen Avery Bradley in the starting lineup bring the ball up the court. You've seen Taylor Horton Tucker bring the ball up the court, and then Russ comes and gets it in the half court. And, you know, I've not seen really great offensive sets. I've seen the Lakers give up on defense. And Giannis was making almost every shot that he put up in the paint, especially. But Giannis was making a couple three-pointers on the Lakers. And it's crazy that every team, including even the bad ones, like the Thunder, the Rockets, every team that the Lakers play have, like, the best game of the season. And I don't know if it's because they play up to the lights, they play up to the media attention, because you know it's always a camera and a microphone and some circulation around LeBron James-led teams, and especially with Russell Westbrook not playing up to his abilities in the way that we know he can and him just trying too hard and forcing it and really just making a mess of a time on the court for the rest of the team when he's on the court. You know, I think that that's the reason why, and I think that it's sort of like a motivation to play a team with, like, four what four top 75 players, LeBron, Russ, AD, and Carmelo, and should be five with you know, Dwight Howard. I just really don't know, or maybe, you know, this new ideation of the Lakers is just really bad at defense. But Giannis was making every shot that he wanted to. Anthony Davis, and it was a very interesting conversation during the game, right? So it's a conversation about is Anthony Davis better than Giannis? And is that really a good head-to-head? Because a couple of years ago, when Anthony Davis was in, you know, New Orleans, and also when he first joined the Lakers, that was a real conversation. And even to promote the games, because remember they had, you know, that very memorable matchup in 2019. Uh, when Giannis came, I believe they played. I believe they played um, in Milwaukee. They played in the Five Star Forum, and you know Giannis and the Bucks got them. Actually, you know, beat the Lakers down pretty bad that time. And then around the time of the pandemic in March 2020, the Lakers beat them. LeBron went crazy, insane, and was actually guarding Giannis pretty well. And then that next game, LeBron beats the Clippers. Then pandemic shut down. Rudy Gobert tests positive for COVID. I don't want to relive that, but that's just what happened. That was a real discussion, and last night, Anthony Davis made it not a discussion. You know, Anthony Davis had 18 points. Um, you know, he was 9 of 15, you know, pretty efficient, you know, 60% from the floor. Uh, he did not hit a three-pointer. He had um, nine rebounds, and he had four assists. But when you look at the numbers for Giannis, like literally 47 points. And I, I said to myself, Giannis is going to mess around and drop 50 on this defense. Like, well, how he was just going in there and scoring – 
and no one could stop him. And then the fact that you had to have Anthony Davis guard him, you know, Anthony Davis is not trying to get too physical, so he won't get, you know, ticky-tack fouls. And you can't really play DeAndre Jordan on him because Giannis will get the ball and and take it to the hole. Like, you know, Dwight Howard, you know, can guard him pretty well, but he's very stationary. And Dwight Howard has a knack now for just getting these cheap fouls on players that he plays. Uh, but my whole entire thing, man, is that, you know, Giannis played way better. Giannis made three three-pointers. <laughs> like, Giannis is traditionally not a three-point shooter. Tell me why he shot 75% from the three-point line last night. Tell me why he filled up the stat sheet, got nine rebounds, right? He had three assists. And then when the Bucs needed a bucket, even when the Lakers got the lead back and started to put it in, like Giannis was there, Giannis made it happen. Chris Middleton came back, 16 points. Giannis made more three-pointers, one more three-pointer than Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton had two. Yeah, Bobby Portis had 17, Pat Connaughton had 16. Like, the Bucs have not been playing all that well this year. Um, I think it's injuries more so than anything, but also a bit of a championship hangover, but still they're good enough to beat the Lakers. And I want to just say this before I move on. Giannis is definitely a better player than Anthony Davis. I, I can concede that. But what we have to realize and take into account is that the Lakers offense under Frank Vogel is never predicated around Anthony Davis. When Anthony Davis was in New Orleans, he was the only star. Now you brought in DeMarcus Cousins for a second and DeMarcus Cousins was still the DeMarcus Cousins with the Kings. He was still that mobile, agile, big man that has post moves, can bring the ball up the court, he can shoot. He was just that all-around threat as a big man. And then, of course, he had the Achilles injury and he was never the same after that. And, you know, Anthony Davis had him, you know, for a few games, maybe a couple months. But Anthony Davis was the system. Anthony Davis was the offense when he was in New Orleans. That's basically what Giannis is in Milwaukee. So, yeah, I expect for Giannis to go for 47. I expect for Giannis to be head and shoulders above the rest of, you know, the, the, the teammates he has. I, I expect that because the system is built around Giannis to dominate. You're basically putting Giannis on the floor with shooters, letting him, you know, run the court. Now you can't build that wall like I used to back in the day because Giannis can shoot around that wall. He made three three-pointers, and you have shooters around the court. You have Chris Middleton that can play, make and get a shot for himself, and then, you know, Giannis can have a little bit of help. Drew Holiday can, can make a three-pointer and create his own shot. You know, you have Pat Connaughton that can create his own shot. Grayson Allen can knock down three-pointers. He hit two. Grayson Allen can knock down three-pointers, although he went one for five, on last night, he can make a shot. Anthony Davis, that Lakers offense is not built like that. I wish that Anthony Davis would be more aggressive because it made me so upset that Anthony Davis doesn't look to score and doesn't look to try to, you know, get an easy bucket, but he always looks to pass and he floats on the perimeter even when LeBron's not out there. You can have more spacing. Avery Bradley's a shooter. Taylor Horton Tucker has been a better shooter. Carmelo has been killing it. He's been lights out. Like, it's spacing now. You don't have to float the perimeter. I just think with the Russell Westbrook-led Lakers without LeBron, and hopefully we will, we, we've seen the last of this, um, but, you know, on a Russell Westbrook-featured team, Anthony Davis has to find his identity. I mean, he did well against the Spurs. He had a great game. But these past two games against the Bulls and, you know, the Bucks that are contenders in the East, it just hasn't looked good. And I'm not going to hop out the window like Stephen A. Smith and other pronosticators. I'm not going to say the Lakers aren't going to win 
But what I will say is that if Anthony Davis doesn't figure out how to truly be aggressive, that's going to be a major problem. But, I mean, the game was pretty close. If LeBron was there, I think it would have been a different result. But it ended up being 102-109. And I'm just having buyer's remorse on Russ. I wish that the Lakers would have gotten DeMar DeRozan. And I also wish that maybe we could have swung possibly still a Buddy Heald or something along those lines where now you have more shot creators. The whole entire thing was, oh, DeMar DeRozan can't shoot. And the Bulls are not a three-point shooting team, but DeMar is making some of them. DeMar is hitting those mid-range shots. And the thing that we needed more than anything, and that's why you got Russ, is you have someone that can play if LeBron gets injured and also if you want to give LeBron rest to save him for the playoffs. But also you wanted someone that can play make and get shots. You wanted to get Russ because you wanted Russ to be a miniature version of LeBron and just simply isn't working because Russ doesn't have the brain LeBron has. Russ doesn't have, like, you know, just the floor vision and that and the understanding that, hey, let me slow the tempo down and get my team in rhythm and then go from there. Russ only plays at one speed. He has no control, and that is the problem. I mean, if you look at Russ's numbers, you know, Russ had 19 points. You know, he was 7-16. to 16. He hit two three-pointers, so that that's great. But at the same time, I mean, 15 assists, that's great. I mean, but when you lose, th- those numbers become empty. Just saying. But, you know, let's talk about Cleveland and Brooklyn, right? So Brooklyn got their butts kicked by the Warriors, okay, on Tuesday. And it was funny. I was definitely rooting for the Warriors. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm tired of everyone boosting up the Nets. I think that people are not looking at what they're seeing on the court and what, and what I can tell you what I see. And I did, you know, broadcast on it is that the Nets just simply are not a good team. James Harden is not playing up to his potential and Kevin Durant can only do so much. Plus he's nursing an an injury, a shoulder injury. This team was built to have Kyrie Irving on it. And we know that Kyrie Irving is not going to take the vaccine. And I just don't think that, oh, his team is struggling and they really need up. I don't think that that's going to make him get the vaccine. He is staunchly against it. And unless COVID magically disappears tomorrow or New York City does change their mandate, the vaccine mandate, you're not going to see Kyrie on this team this year. And the Nets are going to be an up and down team, good enough to make the playoffs. I don't think they'll be a top seed. I, I'm going to give them a little bit of a rise. I think they won't be in the play-in tournament, but I think they'll be a four to six seed. If James Harden continues just to, to play okay, you know, one game you have 24, 27, 30. The other three games we have 16 or you know, 14 with only two free throw attempts. He keeps trying to foul bait. The Nets are not going to be a good team, but they did win this game. They won the game last night. They beat the Cavaliers 109 to 99. Here's here's the thing, though. I believe that the Cavaliers would have contended better if they had the rest of their players. Now, listen, you have Laurie Marketing that's out, COVID protocol. You have Colin Sexton. He's injured. You have Evan Mobley. He's out for two to four weeks because his elbow's injured. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they didn't have a lot of their key players that helped them get a favorable record, like the first winning record they've had within, you know, these these first, like, what, 14, 15 games since LeBron left in 2018. But even still, you're beating the Cavaliers, a team you should manhandle, especially with them having so many key players that are out. You're losing, you're only winning to them, you're only winning against them 
by 10 points, 109 to 99. You let Ricky Rubio get 25 points. You let Darius Garland get 24 points. Both of them made three three-pointers. You know, Dean Wade's getting 11. Kevin Love off the bench. Old man Kevin Love is getting 11. Y'all letting this happen? But the thing that the Nets did on tonight, they outscored them. That's just simply what they did. I don't think the defense really held up, but the Nets outscored them. Kevin Durant had 23. Patty Mills, 21. James Harden led the team with 27. And then LaMarcus Aldridge went back to his Portland days, made 11 of 19, and had 24 points and seven rebounds. Now, that's how you make up for the loss of Kyrie Irving. That's how you make up for it. I don't think that you can count on LaMarcus Aldridge off the bench to give you 24 points. Patty Mills has been a bucket. He made, he made what, six three-pointers? So Patty Mills has been pretty consistent, and I think that Patty Mills eases a little bit of the shooting that you lose not having Kyrie. And James Harden, I'm looking at his free-throw numbers. Notice he made it to the line 12 times. He made it to the line 12 times, made all 12 of his, all 12 of his three free throws. He was 6-12 from the floor. So you see he shot more free throws than shot attempts. And it, it goes up and down. It fluctuates every game. I hate that James Harden's game is predicated on going to, on going to the free throw line no matter what. You, like, the first thing you look at when you look at a box score for, for this team is look at James Harden. If James Harden had a good game, I can assure you he's had at the very least 10 or more free throws. If he had a dismal game under, you know, like in single figures, under like 10 points or like 11 points, maybe 12, 14, I bet you he made it under 10 times to the free throw line. I bet you. And whoopee, look at this. 12 of 12. And I'm looking through these stats right now. No one else on the team. <laughs> On the Nets, nor the Cavaliers got anywhere close individually to the to the free throw attempts that James Harden took. It is crazy that James Harden's game is predicated on him getting to the line. I wish I had the James Harden back that could blow by people that you know was more of that that was a great facilitator that was a shooter. I, the Brooklyn needs that James Harden if they really want to win and they want to win in spite of Kyrie not playing. That's how you have to do it because this team, like I said, in the broadcast that I did on Tuesday, like I said, this team is predicated on having a super team. This roster is built to be supporters to the all-star cast. Because you cannot expect for Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, you can't expect for these players to put up numbers like LaMarcus Aldridge put up on a nightly basis. They just do not have it in them anymore. They'll give you a flash. They'll just get it going, especially against teams, you know, that are beat up or they might not be great teams. They'll get it going. But against the Bulls, where was L.A.? Against the Warriors. He didn't even get playing time because he was played out of, out of the rotation. You know, he, he was playing garbage minutes and Steph was, was saucing him. So I, with, with the Nets, I'm not impressed by this win. I mean, shout out to them. They won. But I'm honestly not impressed. But they play the Celtics coming up in, in, in a couple nights. And my thing with the Celtics is that the Celtics have been struggling, man. Jalen Brown, um, we're waiting for him to come back. And I think the Nets might get an easy one against them because the Hawks got them a good win. The Hawks have been a very frustrating team to watch. And I think that you can describe any team in the NBA like this. You have a team that is good, has great players. They have previous success. You expect them to do well, but they're losing games they should win, and they're dropping games against equal or better teams. 
but then they'll turn around and beat those good teams. They'll have moments where you're, the star player goes for 40 or 50. The, 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 the supporting cast steps up. They'll get 20. They'll knock down three-pointers, and they won't miss. Yet your players that get injured, but still with the players that are injured, you still have good key players. But it's like they just decide when they want to get up for the challenge and when they don't. That's been the Hawks this season. That's been the Hawks. The Celtics are not a scrub team. Like, yeah, Jason Tatum had 34 points. He made five three-pointers. He led the team. He was the only player that sniffed over 20. Grant Williams had 18. That's what's up. Al Horford had 13 against his former team, the Hawks. Same thing with Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder had 15. But Jason Tatum sort of kept it close. And we're looking at Jason Tatum to really be that transcendent superstar that everyone thinks he is. I do. I, I, I don't. You know, when it comes to the thing of who's better, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, it's hard for me to really choose that. But it, it's hard for them to play on the court because they're both ball-dominant players. And I don't think that Ime Udoka has created a scheme where they both really can shine. And that's why they've been a very middling team to start the year. I mean, I know that people say, oh, the NBA season starts during Christmas. But my thing is this. We have a large enough sample size to sort of predict where these teams are headed. And y'all are already saying the Lakers aren't going to win the championship and the Warriors are the best team in the league. And, and when Steph wins the NBA championship, will he be better than Kevin Durant? Like y'all are already mapping out April, May, and June based off these 15 games. But then you turn around and say, well, the season doesn't really start to Christmas. The regular season doesn't count. But then you're coordinating and crowning people for regular season play. Like, you can't have it both ways, and the regular season is important because it determines seeding. And then also, since y'all care about it so much, it does also determine the MVP. So I want Jason Tatum to play like the superstar everyone expects him to be, and then when Jalen Brown comes back, we'll see what they can do, and maybe Ime Udoka can put something together and, and put together an offense where they both can shine. And I keep saying this. I've said this before. I, I've not talked about the Celtics as much. But what the Celtics needed was a Kyle Lowry. That's what they needed. They needed a point guard that the main goal was to facilitate, control the pace, and be a team leader. That is what the Celtics needed. Kyrie was not that. Kimball Walker was a scoring point guard. He was not that. You need a Rajon Rondo, prime Rajon Rondo-esque player to run the offense. And Dennis Schroeder has been playing pretty well. He's been a great get for the Celtics on a on a discount with him turning down with 84 million from the Lakers. They got Dennis Schroeder on a discount, and that is amazing because Dennis Schroeder has had great games. But Dennis Schroeder is not the point guard that's needed to make this team function. I wish that the Celtics maybe had a, like a rest of the Rajon Rondo. I mean, a Jason Kidd at the end of his career with the Mavericks. Like, that's why I said Kyle Lowry would have been perfect for them. If they were able to pull off Kyle Lowry and they pulled him away from the Heat and got him on the Celtics, I think the Celtics would have had a better record in Kyle Lowry, the, the championship culture he brought from Toronto. And then him being a traditional point guard that can face the floor, they would have been killing it. They would be killing it right now. But that's what they're missing. Dennis Schroeder is fine for now, but his main thought is to score. You know? I mean, like, just like, just look at it. For example, Dennis Schroeder tonight, 15 points, three assists. You don't need that. Marcus Smart had 11 assists. That's great. But Marcus Smart's not my starting point guard. 
He's not my primary ball handler. My point guard needs to have 11 assists. My point guard needs to have at least over five. Dennis Ruder looks to score. He's not looking to facilitate. If the Celtics had a point guard that's main goal was to facilitate and find a way to get Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going, the Celtics would be way better. But, I mean, with the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks, you know, Trey Young had a, you know, a pretty quiet game, 18 points, 11 assists. But John Collins, I've been waiting for John Collins to step up this whole entire year. If the Hawks want to really be in a great team and they want to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals and they want to be considered contenders, John Collins has to play like an all-star. And he has it in him. Like John Collins, I'm not going to say he reminds me of Josh Smith because I think they play a very different game. I think that John Collins is a more full player. He has a more full game. But John Collins gives me the excitement factor that Josh Smith gave the Hawks back in the late 2000s when you had Joe Johnson. If you remember, Mike Bibby was on the team. You know, you had Horford. You had Josh Smith. You know, you had those guys, and they were going up against the Celtics. I remember in 2008, uh, they played the Celtics. They played the Celtics in the first round, and I saw Joe and the crew took the Celtics that eventually won the championship in 08 to seven games, gave them a big old scare, and was like, are the Hawks really about to knock out the super team Celtics in the first round. You know what I'm saying? Like people were like, bro, what is wrong with y'all? You know what I'm saying? Like, but the Celtics were able to edge it out eventually. Like he's giving me that excitement factor because when he dunks it, when he yams it down, yo, it's amazing. But John, he can shoot threes. He made one tonight. He can shoot threes. He's an adept rebounder. He's a good defender. I want him to really step it up because Trey needs someone else that can put the ball in the basket. But Bogdan Bogdanovich, he made what? He made four three-pointers. All four of his shots were three-pointers. Shout out to him. You know what I'm saying? He, he was 4-12, made four 10 three-pointers. So shout out to him. He was facing it out. Danilo Gallinari, I think Danilo, like, Danilo's going to be a trade piece in the future. Danilo's not been playing all that great this year. He's going to be a trade piece in the future. Uh, but I just really, you know, I don't know what the Hawks can do. I've not sat down and really looked at it. But I, I want the Hawks to get somebody that we can take the ball out of Trey Young's hands, right? And Trey can sort of get his rest on the floor. And then when Trey's not getting it, they're trapping Trey. You know, those three-pointers from half court aren't falling. You get the ball to your shooting guard that can take it off the dribble, that can get other guys involved as well, like a James Harden-esque player. Like before, of course, before this year. But a James Harden next player, almost like you had Chris Paul, he'll have the ball do his thing. James Harden had the ball and do his thing. Then, like, you know, James Harden's a good shooter, so you were able to sort of run James Harden, not really motion, but run him off a couple of screens. And then James Harden can be a spot up shooter. Same thing with Chris at that point. I feel like that's what the Hawks need. Cause it's just points where the Hawks have these cold spells and they'll give up a lead so quick. Like, like early in the game, like they were beating the Celtics, they went on like a 12 4 run. And then the, Haw then the Hawks let the Celtics go on an 8-0 run, and the game was close again. The Celtics just could not get it going, and that's why the Hawks won. The Hawks were able to, for the rest of the game, hold on to the lead. The Hawks have a problem closing, but I think the problem is that Trey is the only person that can go and get his shot when it matters. Give him another player that can do that. Give him his equivalent of a Steph Curry, because you try you're trying to make like a Golden State East, because you have, you know, the former Warriors executives on your team, right? 
So you're trying to make a Golden State East. You trying you have your your franchise point guard that's like your Steph Curry and Trey Young. You sort of have like a a better version of Draymond Green offensively with John Collins. You have your your spacey shooters at forward, right? You have some pretty good players coming off the bench, although they're very young. You have a couple of veterans like Capella, but I think you need your Clay Thompson equivalent that can team up with Trey in that backcourt, and they can go off together and create shots and make things happen. I don't think Cam Reddish is ready for that. DeAndre Hunter is injured. So, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, but I want to see what the Hawks do uh, with their next few games. I, I, want, I want to. Um, and I have to say this. I mean, I don't know if, if this is an admission of a crime, but NBA League Pass doesn't let me, you know, watch the Hawks games. So I've been having to get how I live, you feel me? So just know I've been watching the Hawks games, and I don't live in Atlanta, so I've not been going to the games, okay? So just know that that y'all need to listen to my insight because I'm getting how I live out here in these streets, you feel me? And I just want to say once again, I did a, a segment on it back a few weeks ago. It is so stupid. The blackout restrictions are so stupid. Like you're telling me that at the, at the very least when the game is over, Bally Sports can't just let me see the game on the replay. I like you watch it live on Bally Sports. You can only catch it live on Bally Sports if it's a local game and you can't watch it on NBA TV if it's local. I have YouTube TV. Just let me watch the game on replay right after the game. Why do I have to wait three days? Why can't I just watch it after like any other national game that's blacked out because they don't want me to watch it on the app? They want me to watch it on national television, TNT, ABC, ESPN. They want me to watch it on there or on NBA TV. The national games are blacked out, but I can watch it after. I just think it should be the same way, you know, with local games as well. But, you know, let's look at the Hawks' schedule coming up, and they have, you know, some some pretty easy games that they should win. They should get back in the stride. Um, Charlotte's going to be probably their, oh, their toughest opponent, but they do play the Knicks. On the 27th, that's going to be next week. That's going to be fun. They play my guys, man, the Grizzlies, Ja Morant. That's going to be fun. Whenever Ja and Trey play, that's always fun. But the Spurs and the Thunder, I'm scared of the Thunder now. The Thunder pull off a win. Like the Thunder don't lay down easy to playoff teams. But the Thunder and the Spurs should at the very least be an easy win. And I think the Hawks can beat the Hornets. But those two games against the Grizzlies and the Knicks, first of all, those two games are back. That's a back-to-back. You play the Grizzlies at like at, five, at FedEx Forum, then you go right back to Atlanta and play the Knicks, and you know the Knicks have something to prove because you just knocked them out of the playoffs. So we're going to see what's up with this Hawks team, but I think that if they play well and they start to hit their stride, even with the injury to DeAndre Hunter and some of their other players, I think that they can maybe get a 500 record, stabilize themselves, and give themselves some confidence as they move into December, and then we know on Christmas Day, Trey Young heads back to you know Madison Square Garden, and just, I just know it's not going to be like how it was in Brooklyn. I don't think they're going to be chanting MVP for Trey Young. They might be chanting some other stuff. All right, so the Hawks need to get it together by Christmas, and they need to get it together for the All Star break because I'm telling you, these games matter because I don't want to see the Hawks in the playing tournament. I don't think that's a great spot for them. All right, so let's get to these predictions. I've been pretty off with our predictions. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not even going to hold you, but I'm going to try my best to make smart decisions for the weekend. I think at this point, you should not bet on my picks. 
<laughs> because you're gonna lose some money and y'all not gonna get me, all right? So just wait till after Christmas maybe and we'll start to get in stride, all right? So first and foremost, Indiana Pacers play the Charlotte Hornets. That's gonna be, I think, a really good game, but Charlotte's gonna win that. The Golden State Warriors play the Pistons. The Warriors should win that easily. The Lakers and the Celtics, LeBron should be coming back. The Lakers win and it shows that LeBron is the missing piece to that team. LeBron's gonna win in spite of Russ. But I think that the Lakers only win if LeBron plays. The Nets play the Magic, easy win for the Nets, two straight wins for them. And everybody will act like what Tuesday never happened. Uh, the Thunder play the Bucks. The Bucks win that one like they beat the Lakers. The Clippers play the Pelicans. The Clippers win that easy. The Bulls play the Nuggets. That might be a sneaky game of the weekend. I think the Bulls will pull it out, but Jokic and the Nuggets will have some fight in them, both figuratively and literally. All right, so we're gonna see the Dallas Mavericks play the Phoenix Sun once again. All right, so they played on Wednesday. They're gonna play again. Oh uh, man, uh, Luka's not playing. So I think that the Suns are gonna win this game. I honestly really think that, man, and they're gonna keep things rolling, all right? So the Toronto Raptors and Sacramento Kings, the Kings, um, the Raptors win that. The Raptors are gonna win that one. The Kings might make it interesting. They really wanna make the playoffs. And Luke Walton gotta make some shake because he is on the hot seat, all right? The Rockets and the New York Knicks kick off Saturday at 5 p.m. The Knicks are gonna win that easy. The Pelicans and the Pacers, the Pacers are gonna win that. The Heat and the Wizards, another sneaky game of the weekend. The Wizards have been balling, but I think Jimmy Butler and the Heat are gonna find a way to slow them down. The Hornets and the Hawks, another sneaky game of the weekend. I believe that is going to be a close game, but the, oh man, let me think about it. Oh, I'll be wrong on this one. I, I'll just hop out the window. The Atlanta Hawks are gonna win this game. I think that LaMelo Ball is not gonna be able to match Trey Young and the Hawks are gonna win it. Uh, with the Thunder and the Celtics, the Thunder play these teams tough, so that might be a sneaky good game, but I think the Celtics win against the Thunder. The Bucks and the Magic, the Magic will just lose their body, so the Bucks are gonna win that one. The Grizzlies and Timberwolves, another sneaky good game. I think the Timberwolves want some blood after they lost their overtime game last week, but I believe that the Grizzlies will pull it through once again. The 76ers and the Trailblazers, if Embiid isn't back, the Trailblazers will win that. The Jazz and the Kings, another gang, another sneaky good game. The Jazz are gonna get back in stride. They beat the 76ers, they're gonna beat the Kings. And then Sunday, Clippers versus Mavericks. Lucas out again, oh! The Clippers are gonna win that. The Lakers and the Pistons, come on Lakers. If y'all lose to the Pistons, I'm done, I'm done. The Knicks and the Bulls, a really good game. We get a chance to run it back. That's gonna be a good nightcap to end off the weekend. Another game of the week, of the weekend. I believe that the Bulls will win this edition. They lost to the Knicks to get their first loss of the season. So I think the Bulls will get this one. Nuggets and the Suns, the Suns want that run back. They beat them for the first game of the season. The Suns want them and the Suns are gonna win. They're starting to figure it out. The Raptors and the Warriors, oh my God, so many great games this weekend. I believe that the Warriors will beat the Raptors. Steph wants another MVP and God forbid Klay Thompson comes back. It's gonna be a situation. But outside of that, that is it for me. Make sure to follow me on Colorcast at Randall Barnes and make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, and also just Pulse Radio on YouTube. But outside of that, please be safe. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and I will see you on the other side.